and welcome back to another episode of Prep Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Vartika Bhandari, and I have an exciting episode lined up for you guys. Today, we will equip you with all the right information to take that extra step in your study abroad application journey. To make the complex process of study abroad easier, we have with us Catherine and Kavita from Advanta Consulting to help you with all the application process. They have been helping students to apply for undergraduate program across the globe. So when I say it's an exciting and informative episode, you know I mean it. Without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Kavita. Welcome to the Prep Talk podcast. Hi, it's great to be here today. Yes, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. So, uh, okay, in the introduction, uh, we mentioned that you guys will be helping the students out with the mentoring and the counseling sessions. So I have some questions ready with me that are essentially questions that, you know, that uh, students would want uh, to know before they start their abroad education. So I'll start with my first question that competition for Indian students is massive when it comes to abroad education. And uh, it is not as much for the US students because they are well aware about, you know, the country and everything and the academics as well. But when it comes to Indian students, uh, first of all, the curriculum does not match as much with the US, right? So they have a competition to prove themselves there. So what are uh, your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, the Indian students dealing with the competition when it comes to getting an admission in US or UK colleges? Sure, sure. Absolutely. And so you're so right that the competition has increased and we hear all of these stories about how difficult it's become and it gets more difficult um, with each passing year. And we even have the numbers to support that. So in last spring, Common App, which is the main application form for the U.S., released data about application trends since 2019. Since 2019, domestic applications have risen by about 18%. So meaning that there, there's just a larger volume of applications going in. International applications have risen by 55% since 2019. So um, that partly explains why the competition has become even harder because there is just a larger volume of applications going in. The university seats have more or less remained the same. So it's just more people, especially from international backgrounds, competing for those same seats. And then not to mention, you know, that added pressure of um, trying to demonstrate those academic competencies when it's a different academic system, um, you know, building in profile building, these other areas that in many ways are kind of baked into a U.S. education, but aren't necessarily for students in India. So a few key things are that one, students need to be aware of the process. They need to understand it and understand um, you know, understanding earlier, the better, because then that gives students more time to really work on their academics, work on their standardized tests, work on building a compelling profile and application rather than having to scramble at the last minute. I think too, understanding what helps to build a really unique application that's going to stand out. So beyond just the numbers, how a student can showcase who they are and what they would bring to a competitive university. Okay, so uh, Kavita, my next question would be for you. So uh, when we talk about college application, there are certain things that students should keep in mind, you know, uh, when it comes to academics, extracurriculars, and more, right? So what are your recommendations for a student while they're starting off? Uh, what should they keep in mind? And how early should they start in order to be in competence with the rest of the students who are applying abroad? Yes. So this is now most often a question that every parent and student is wondering, how early is too early? 
Well, we always tell our students, start early, start strong. Like Catherine just mentioned, the competition is only increasing every year. And so it is so important to build profiles that are deep. It is so important to spend time on preparing for all the competitive testing that you need to go into. And that also takes time and sometimes more than one effort. So you need to have time to build that into your calendars. Also, when you work on projects that are outside of your curriculum, be it a research paper, be it an internship, be it a job shadow, all of that takes time to come forth. Also, for your counselor, mentor, guide to understand who you really are, what sides of your personality should get reflected in your application. So that is so important. No longer are cookie cutter approaches valid for getting into the most competitive colleges around the world, not just the US, but around the globe, including India now. So it's very important that high school students understand the need that they must begin earlier as early as possible. In fact, we recommend the last year of middle school is the best time to get geared for what is going to happen in high school. And your class 9, 10, 11 then become those crucial three years where you apply yourself to building parts of your interests, your academic, your personality, so that when you do apply when you're in grade 12, all of that showcases beautifully to make you a candidate that can get selected into top universities across the globe. Okay, so what are some things that you, uh, you know, specifically recommend students that they should have in their student resume in order to make sure that, you know, they crack uh, getting into the colleges? So if you could help us with a list of things, that'd yeah. be great. So again, our approach to this is slightly different. Okay. There is no one list of things. Okay. Similarly, as how no student is the same, mm -hmm. every student is different. There is no set list of things that a student should do. However, what I can share with you are qualities that should be exhibited in your activities that go to an admissions officer and what an admissions officer is looking at. So okay. the first thing they're looking at is intellectual curiosity. Okay. How curious are you as a personality in terms of academia in your area of interest? Whether that area of interest is a plant or it's the solar system, that is immaterial. But it's your own individual capacity for intellect. The second is leadership. The third is concern for others. The fourth is empathy in the community. The fifth is your commitment and consistency to your work. So whether it's your profile or your academic or your testing, this needs to be exhibited. The next one is creativity. Now, when I'm saying creativity, it's not in the realm of being a dancer or a painter. It's how creatively you use your mind to come up with answers for problems. And the last one I would say is initiative. How, how easily you are able to take initiative for your own self. So if we reverse engineer from all these qualities that need to be exhibited, then based on a student's interest, profile, path they need to be on, we suggest and recommend activities that the student should do in the four years that they are with us to build a profile that is compelling. All right, all right. And uh, when it comes to selecting a major, so 
in us specifically i've heard from students that the reason why they choose us is because they don't have to declare the major in the first year right they can evaluate different subjects and understand their like likeness towards the subjects and then take a call which is you know much more experienced and much more understandable for the students rather than write up going for a major and you know and later on not liking it and then there is hardly an option to reverse that decision which is not like in uk so uh, when a students come uh, comes up with you what do you suggest them like should they have uh, should they go ahead with a declared major up up in front or should they be seasoned in different uh, aspects and then understand their personality how how it is growing and what you are inclining towards Sure, I think that's a great question. So, um, I think you know one of the hallmarks and part of the beauty of the U.S. approach to higher education is that flexibility that students either don't have to declare, or if they are there in a certain major and they change their mind up until the second year, they can do that. They can move around. Um, that said, when students approach us, we do often recommend that they identify at least. A core area of interest. Even if they know that they're still going to explore different things, they may change their mind when they're at the university. But the reason that we want to focus on that interest is because it becomes much easier to build a strong and compelling narrative if a student has that core area and they've been able to focus on it and build depth in that area. Rather than saying, I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that, if they can say, you know, economics or physics or behavioral science is what I'm really passionate about and here's how I've explored it then it, they give a clearer picture of who they are and what they're passionate about to the university. So it can help support that uh, aspect of their application. Okay. Okay. And uh, if we talk about extracurriculars, which are, again, a major part, uh, a major role that plays in the student resume, and a lot depends on, you know, extracurriculars and how students expose themselves to different activities. And um, yeah, so... Uh, what different extracurriculars are acceptable uh, by the student, uh, like the reps who select the students, admission officers? And uh, are there some specific uh, extracurriculars that they incline towards more? Or is it like what, uh, how the personality of the student is? How is it like when it comes to selecting a student based on extracurriculars? Sure. So I think as Kavitha mentioned before, it's not as if there is a fixed rubric or list of very specific activities that they want to see. Rather, there are certain qualities that they look for in the students whom they're selecting, and those can be demonstrated across a wide range of extracurriculars. So I think really it is student-specific, but it's about where a student has been able to showcase excellence. For some students, that's in their art and their creativity. For others, it's in their entrepreneurial sense and their innovation. But you know, showcasing excellence, achievement in the form of awards, honors, recognition, and, you know, that the student has taken initiative, that they've either taken on leadership roles or they've created something of their own, and they've been able to stick with it so that this wasn't just a fleeting engagement that they did for six weeks and then moved on. But, you know, that might have been phase one, and then they continued to work towards developing that specific area. So showcasing that depth as well. So giving specific examples and building on what Catherine has just said, some students might develop and design a product. Others may adopt a village and run a sanitization drive there. <laughs> Excuse me. Another student could actually build a portfolio about the monuments of this country. Another student interested in sport and nutrition 
could go out and set up a health nutrition camp for athletes. So again, as you can see, different strokes for different folks. It doesn't, there is no one list that everybody must follow to okay. get to that goal. It can be different routes, but as long as you exhibit your interest, your passion and your personality to come through in your extracurricular, that's okay. what admission officers are looking for. Okay. So basically, uh, it boils down to how, uh, what interest the student has and then building an extracurricular that supports uh, your personality in the way. Right? Absolutely. You got it bang on. Right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So if we talk about the major chunk in the uh, resume, which are academics. So mm -hmm. what are the accomplishments that the admission officers are looking in the resume when it comes to um, showcasing their academics, uh, academic excellence? And uh, how competitive can it be for a student? Yeah. Yeah. So there are a couple of key things that I think can help support a student's academic profile, show that strength. Of course, you know, the foundation of this is going to be grades and a student's performance in both in their board exam, so their 10th board exam, their 12th predicted score, but also in school. For the U.S. Uh, in particular, they're looking at the 9th and 11th results. So showing strong marks across the board, strong means that a student is in, you know, the top 10 percent of their class and that a student has consistently achieved there. Um, it can also be supported by other things like AP exams, you know, so ones that show subject-specific proficiency and excellence. So strong scores, you know, we're aiming for fives in those AP exams as well. Beyond that, then, um, there are a few other things that students can do to kind of support and demonstrate excellence and recognition in subject-specific areas. So it's things like engaging with competitive exams, whether these are Olympiads or various other ones that take place typically for math and sciences, um, essay competitions, which tend to dominate in either, you know, if someone's interested in literature or in the social sciences, there are a lot of opportunities there. And even things like science fairs, venture pitch competitions, innovation uh, competitions. So all of these that are related to a student's academic and intellectual interests. But when students participate in these, um, then it just helps to showcase how they're pursuing that outside of their their sub, you know, their high school coursework. And there's also, of course, the opportunity to be shortlisted to win, which really shows that high level of achievement within those academic areas. All right. All right. And we also uh, have heard about a lot of mentorship programs, right? That helps the students back up their student resume. And it shows that they've done something aside from academics and they're passionate about a project, right? And yeah, and I've uh, interviewed a lot of students who went to Stanford that they have done some major project that is research-based that have helped them land their uh, acceptance to Stanford, right? So. Um, when it comes to acceptance from US and UK, how important does those mentorship programs become? And let's say if a student is not going ahead with a mentorship program, will it affect his acceptance to a good uh, top colleges in US or UK? So let me start by defining who is a mentor. Okay. A mentor is someone who has more experience, mm -hmm. able to advise and guide you over a period of time. Okay. So this takes us back to saying start early, right? Mm -hmm. The mentor actually helps you in various ways. One, the mentor opens this door of conversations. The mentor kicks you out of your comfort zone. They help you identify your passion project. 
So when I'm saying passion project, sometimes students are aware of this. Sometimes the mentor guides them towards that area, right? And it helps boost confidence from students when their work is backed by somebody who is considered an expert in that particular field. Now, let's look at the other part of your question. What does research show us? Research shows that this student has gone beyond the prescribed coursework to dig deep academically in mm -hmm. an area of interest, right? It also shows that this student has hunger to learn. This also shows deep diving abilities of that student. So now you match the two and then see a student who has worked with a mentor on a research automatically they become preferred candidates because it's showcased to an admissions officer who is going through tens and thousands of applications that look here is someone who has got off the track and done something unique so okay. this is why often students who have the foresight to be guided to work with mentors mm -hmm. and want to do research or product development or any other kind of groundbreaking work with the mentor Mm -hmm. of those selected to the top prestigious universities. Okay. Okay. So when we talk about the mentorship program that Advanta has, so the students and the mentors that are uh, helping the students actually for their research papers, are they the students only or are they teachers or uh, what? how do how does it go like how if i am a student and i'm passionate about a particular project so who will be guiding me and how would the process of the entire entire inter, uh, the mentorship program how would it look like for me so the so the mentorship catherine i'm going to start by answering this and then, then please feel free to jump in so the mentorship program in the early years which is grade 9 and grade 10 works mm -hmm. on foundational skill building which okay. means every student needs these skills irrespective of what country course major they choose to go into now mm -hmm. these skills are done through monthly workshops that happen online and students participate and then contribute to those workshops the other thing the head start program does is personal mentoring sessions where we understand what a student is looking for. We understand what their strengths are. We also under identify areas that need development. So that works on the overall development of the student. Specifically to answer your question on research, mm -hmm. at first level, identification of which area of research a student wants to get into. And then after that, there are two levels of matching. We have a great pool of students who are successfully studying in top colleges who then jump onto the bandwagon to steer these students in the right path and also because they're of a similar age group there are great synergies at work then the next level is when we assign specific industry specific majors uh, i'm sorry industry specific experts as per the majors the students want to apply to okay finalize their research work and then become their mentors on that research so there are many levels at which we work with with the school all right anything to add there catherine no i just that you know the mentors that we have are going to be subject specific mentors so then pairing students based on that area of interest what they want to explore and of course um, mentors who we know are great at working with students and guiding and coaching them through the process 
all right and i believe the industry specialists that you are talking about are the students who have been through the same cycle as these students are currently in right so they understand the things that are going inside the students head because when we talk about abroad ad admissions it is a lot of pressure there are things there are standardized tests that are going on you have sat act you have ap's as well then you have your own academics then you have extracurriculars and the list goes on right because you have to land in your dream university and it has to be the best or nothing right so i believe that um, when a student is a student is enrolling into a mentorship program he is in good hands and uh, the other person understands what is going inside the student's head because it can be a very pressured situation so i think it, here it's also important to work with the right kind of people that gets the right chemistry so of course there is a lot to be done and of course there is uh, you know pressure but how to handle that pressure how to work within a timeline that delivers how to have someone gently guide you along and how to have accountability see because there is so much to do a student life is often overwhelmed with all exactly. that is need to deliver exactly so, hence it's very important to find the right match for yourself so that that journey becomes easy and it becomes a happy journey i mean it's not all tears it's a lot of laugh it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of achievement so that gives you a sense of pride also right absolutely so okay um i have a question that i've seen a lot of students have and it's a dilemma rather than a question that mm -hmm. when it comes to choosing the country so many students have acceptances from uk as well as us so i'm why i'm mentioning these two countries in particular are because these colleges matlab these two countries you know are at par with either with each other rather than others so um when it comes to selecting a college between us and uk what are the factors that you suggest students should uh, keep in mind while they're finalizing their college because this decision depends uh, you know the career depends on this decision where you are going and your personality how it is building in the four years or the three years that you are in college depends uh, you know a lot depends on that so what do you suggest uh, to a student when they are in the dilemma of selecting the country that they want to go to so i think we'll answer this in parts i'll quickly go over what are the you know the main differences between uk and us in terms of academic systems and then katrin can talk about you know what things a student must consider whenever they are choosing whichever country they go to. so the first thing i would say is the academic system between two countries okay. in the us it is a flexible interdisciplinary approach to education which means in the first two years you can bounce around with different interests different subject areas till you have to actually declare your major in year 3 which is the junior year in uk it is a prescribed path so you have to decide beforehand that this is my choice of subject Mm -hmm. you apply to that one particular subject you get selected in that course you go there you complete it and you come back so the idea to explore further or do something interdisciplinary on the whole is not so popular though of course now some institutes are approaching this as a new age way of teaching the second thing is when you're applying to the us it is a more holistic application that we talk about so yes there is academics there's sat act um, there is ap's but then there is also your extracurricular there is your letters of recommendation there is your essays there is your interviews compared right. to that 
the UK is a very straightforward application where it's a one statement of purpose. There is little bit of profile building, but that profile building is more in line with your chosen area of study. And there is one letter of recommendation that needs to go. So overall, compared to the US, it is a simpler process to apply to the UK. Third is proximity to your home. US is further away. Mm -hmm. UK is much closer to home. Mm -hmm. um, another difference that you are, when you are applying, is let's assume you've been a great student, but your board marks have not been the best, right? But overall, you're a compelling candidate and you have a great profile, etc. So because the US has a more holistic way of evaluating a candidate, there is still scope that you might make it to a good college of your choice because they would be more open to seeing what has happened in your journey over a longer period of time. In the UK, it is very tied to your marks. So even if you've scored one mark lesser than what the cutoff is, it is rare that they will consider your case. Normally, you have to meet the cutoff for you to get admitted. And it's like how Indian colleges select a student. Very, yeah, it's very similar to the Indian academic system, right? And in the US, you can apply to a larger number of colleges, whereas in the UK, the UCAS allows you to only apply to five colleges. So you have to decide what those five colleges are and then go on and choose one of those. Whereas in the US, I think up to 20 colleges, in some cases, even more than that, you can apply if you wish. So I think those are the basic differences uh, between the two countries. Mm -hmm. Having said that, both are strong academic systems and students have gone on to study in both and do very, very well for themselves. Right. I pass it over to you now, Catherine, to talk about I have that. nothing else to add. I think that was comprehensive <laughs> <laughs> covering. Yeah, I think, Catherine, it's important to talk about the factors that a student must think about when they are deciding, uh, you know, what country they want to go So I think based on, yeah, based on the points, one is really considering what is you know, what is a student's academic performance? Are their academics their highlight? Are they able to focus on that? If so, UK may be the best option. If on the other hand, they know that their strengths lie in other areas, US will give those areas more consideration. If a student wants more flexibility, if they want more options even, um, US is going to allow that. UK students need to decide their course, decide their universities, and they're limited to that five. And then of course, the logistics factors of the distance, the duration of the course, You know whether a student wants that flexibility during that time, or if they really want to focus on one thing, study it, and then get into the workforce right away. So I think those are kind of the key considerations. And I thought of two more. One is the undergraduate system in the US is four years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The UK is three years. Right. Cost-wise, the costing is very different between mm -hmm. because three years versus four years, but intrinsically also, US is almost a double uh, of a cost of a UK education. So these are all factors that a student needs to think about when they decide the country. So if we talk about uh, the uh, the situation post they've completed their uh, graduation. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about the jobs, availability of jobs and the economy as well, we heard that US is not doing as well as USA, right? US is a big country and there are 
you know maybe triple of the opportunities that are available in uk so does that factor also affect the decision of a student if or not you know they are able to work because we know wall street and every business student wants to work there it's like a dream and uh, similarly in us if you are from cambridge or oxford the doors uh, that opens up for you are endless so do you think the opportunity of having a successful career also depends on the factor which uh, country you are choosing yes and no i think that when we have the, it's it's a, a conversation that we have very often with students and families um when we discuss it we need to keep in mind that we are discussing the visa policies as they exist today Mm -hmm. may change next year may change four years from now so we can't really predict mm -hmm. what they will be in the future um and, and you know so then predicating a decision based on current policies that may change that's that's a variable that we don't know and can't control that said i think that many people do view a foreign education <laughs> as an important return on investment they want to see that the money that they've put into that education is going to translate into job offers in you know ideally in the country in which they've studied so it is an important um consideration and then we often have conversations about different pathways towards that which degrees uh, you know translate or have a higher likelihood of translating into job offers but it's always kind of with the caveat that this is here and now it may change in the future all right all right so one thing that covid the pandemic has taught us mm -hmm. is that there is very little certainty in in the world and i think a lot of the you know pre pandemic we had forgotten that we all wanted to walk, walk a path which was saying okay this is what will happen tomorrow and this is what will happen day after but i think we have all learned that a certain amount of uncertainty is just a given in our lives so having said that like catherine said all we can do is advise and share the policies and work permits visa details etc as they exist today but mm -hmm. what will happen tomorrow what the political situation will be what other factors will be one cannot predict right right okay so coming on to our last question and the most important one not the most important but yeah uh okay so talking about the college essay that the students you know are so inclined towards and there are things going on inside their head like how to write it what incidents are important to note down in the college essay how uh, what if the college essay is creating an impact or not and making it you know correct uh, in the sense that there are no gram grammatical errors and a lot goes on into writing the college essay so what are your tips for the students who are in the position like in the situation of writing a college essay and don't know where to start sure sure so I, and yeah i agree with you maybe not the most important question but definitely the one that causes one the most stress yeah. <laughs> it's one where there's a lot of anxiety around this so yes. I mean, a couple of tips for beginning to approach the essay one is to be authentic right and i think that admissions officers can see through right away when it's not an authentic story when it's not a student's authentic voice uh, you can tell the voice of a 17 year old and you know a parent who has wanted to, a supportive parent but who has wanted to come in and do some heavy handed editing so authentic voice authentic story is really important not writing the essay that you think an admissions officer wants to hear because again they can see through that but really the story that is yours to tell 
with that, I think, you know, generally trying to avoid cliche topics. So things like writing about that time that you lost the sports match, but then learned great lessons about leadership and teamwork, writing about the time that you didn't win the student council election. But, you know, so these kind of things that many, many students are going to write about anyway, even things like death in the family, you know, participation in events that lots of people already do can be a topic to avoid because many other students may write that same essay. I think also avoiding the temptation to kind of list out all of your activities and talk about, you know, try to cover all of that. So really trying to cover too much in the Common App essay because there are so many pieces and parts that go into the Common Application form and the U.S. applications that you don't need to cover all of it in one essay. It will be covered in other places like your resume, your activity list the other supplement essay. So really letting that essay be a more focused and singular narrative or story. Um, and I think, you know, in thinking about that authentic voice, being kind of vulnerable, being a little bit open with the admissions officer in the story you're sharing. So whether it's challenges you've overcome, whether it's, you know, the circumstances or the world that you come from, but something that's going to give them greater insight into who you are as a person, what your strengths and qualities are, what you would bring to the to the university. Um, and then finally, it should be well-crafted. So no grammatical errors. It shouldn't, um, you know, it should look like you've spent time revising it and really thinking about things like the sentence structure, the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't mean that you need to pull out your thesaurus I guess that's another mistake to try to use the biggest words you can think of but mm -hmm. it should be clear that you didn't dash this off at 11 59 p.m and then send it out but you've put some time and effort one more sort of new emerging trend is the use of chat gpt and other AI tools don't don't use them to write your essay universities are all going to have software in place this fall to flag ai written essays they will be able to pick it up very quickly that is a clear and immediate red flag for an application mm -hmm thrown in the bin. So avoid the temptation to use chat GPT and other softwares to write your essay. Right, right. Okay. So I think uh, I am done with all the questions and this um, podcast has been really enlightening for the students as well, I hope. Thank you so much, Kavita. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being here. I hope you enjoyed doing the podcast with us. Very yes, we loved it. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. All right. Thank you for the great insights as well. And for all the students who have any further questions, if you are listening to us on YouTube, then you can uh, list your questions down in the comments and we'll be graciously answer, uh, answering them with the help of Kavita and Catherine. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye.